Welcome back. Hello. The Cosmic Coffee Shop. Yeah, I'm Georgia. I'm Dakota. And we're here with our coffee. Um, it's really good today. Today oh it's gosh. good. Last time it was a little bit sketch. I've made it both times. Yeah, um, but I don't know what you did with it this time. It's, it's great. I put too many coffee grounds in the filter and then said, ha ha ha, it's strong. And it is. <laughs> it very is strong. strong. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Like, I can definitely use the caffeine today i've been kind of tired honestly yeah this whole week. I've, I've for sure been not awake i almost fell asleep in like one of my few in-person classes and we were talking about like actual useful information whoa what <laughs> tell me what that's like <laughs> uh, before we like get started we wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody who's listened for the past two weeks we've yeah. been totally floored by the amount of listens we've had by uh texts we've been receiving from uh friends and stuff and just feeling really excited for uh where this is going it's really incredible and Honestly, like we wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for it listening to us talk. <laughs> means the world to us. Like yeah. this is kind of my dream right now, and it's <laughs> happening ish, and it's all thanks to you guys. So yeah. overall, yeah. Ha- having a really good time. Uh, yeah. So uh, Dakota, what did you uh, learn this week? Um, you know, I, I don't know if I learned quote unquote as much as I brought it out of the deepest crevices of my memory. Mm, um, yes, because I used to watch these old like. DVDs for Spider-Man and Superman and like they were from like the 60s you know just cartoons and Mm -hmm. stuff for kids and I remembered I was like holy crap Superman has has like ice breath he can just (laughs) breathe out and freeze people yeah he did it he did it to a freaking dinosaur in the cartoons he was like you know what no I'm just gonna put you in some ice how did he interact with the dinosaur I, you know what? I couldn't even tell you. I just remember that <laughs> episode and like, I was shocked. I was yeah. just like, huh, this is crazy. But the thing that annoys me, honestly, is that you don't see his ice breath anymore. Yeah. You watch the Justice League, which I mean, I don't know why uh, you would. Uh, or, or I watched the Justice League. Batman v Superman, which again. That one I haven't seen. It's with pride. Hey, you know what? It's not great. I saw it in theaters. Not a good time. Will you be rob- blah. Will you be watching the Robert Pattinson? Is oh that yeah, his name? absolutely. The the Edward Cullen Batman. <laughs> the Edward Cullen Batman. He's Batman, but a vampire. Yeah, the vampire bat. <laughs> I, today I saw a picture of him on set in the full Batman gear with, like, a plushy robe on. Ooh. And it was really, like, the vibe that I am aspiring to take forth throughout the, the following year. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely planning on seeing it. I'm yeah. actually kind of really excited for it. I've um, never seen a full, like, Batman movie in, that was that came out in the time I was born. Because I wasn't allowed to watch Dark Knight as a kid because they, were, they right, are pretty violent. Right. And I was afraid of much as a child. Did you, did, have you ever seen Dark Knight? Uh-uh. Oh. Oh, Georgia. Okay, I've got all three. I've got Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises is slightly disappointing. Just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get over it. You know? uh, directly but after this, we'll be watching uh, all three Batman movies. <laughs> that's what we will yep. be doing. Correct. For I have sure. seen the old ones, though, with all the funky makeup and Mark Hamill and... Oh, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I enjoyed that. And I've seen a lot of the cartoons. I, I like, I used to, uh, like, illegally stream the cartoons on my iPod Touch when I was, like, 11 and still wasn't really allowed to watch TV. <laughs> and I'd be like, haha, I'm watching superheroes. I'm such a rebel. You're so, wow. I'm such a rebel. <laughs> like, other kids are just, like, reading comics, watching superheroes, doing all that, playing Call of Duty, and yeah. you're just like, ah, 
I'm a rebel. I'm confident if I just asked my mom if I could watch cartoons on the TV and watch superheroes, she'd be like, yeah, dude. Instead, I was like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning watching these on my iPod Touch. <laughs> you got wow. to be secretive about, about it. Oh, that's oh, yeah. great. I love it. But yeah, I guess the thing I learned then is that uh, Superman has ice breath and people don't use it nearly enough. You don't mm-hmm. see it and I say bring it back. You know? Absolutely. Whatever his next movie is. I want his main thing, I want him to save the day with his ice breath. Yes. A plane is falling from the sky, he freezes it midair, and it somehow lands in the ocean and solves global warming. Boom, look at that, we're just dropping Now ice. everything's cold! <laughs> we're dropping ice cubes in the ocean, and we're just fixing it that way. Everybody go put your ice cubes in the ocean and fix global warming. <laughs> Everybody, please. <laughs> please, we're counting on you, the consumer. <laughs> the, yeah, right? <laughs> Corporations have no stock in this, just put your ice cubes in like, the ocean. Yeah, just put your ice cubes in the ocean, I think that'll save, I think that'll yeah, save. That'll do it, that'll do it. Uh, but pay us for the ice. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so Georgia, what did you learn this week? My, uh, my thing for this week, I learned a lot this week. One, I've learned a lot in this first aid class I'm taking, but I also learned immediately after I talked to somebody about it, that it really grosses people out to talk about the stuff I've learned in first aid. So, um, if you want to know, I don't know, like text me or something and I'll let you know about, <laughs> you know, the four different types of shock and, uh, three different types of burns I learned about today. What are you going to do? Put your number on the podcast? <laughs> I mean like mess- message the podcast over anchor yes. and we can talk about the first aid stuff I learned this week. Just message us on the Instagram. By the way, follow us on Instagram, cosmic underscore coffee underscore shop. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. By all means. Um, and, but okay. The thing that I learned that I remembered this week that I had learned a long time ago uh-huh. that I uh, did some more research on because I thought it was funny. Um, I had this memory about going to Sunday school and having a whole sermon where they just talked about animals that uh-huh. like had weird stuff. And I think the goal of the sermon was like, like God's creations are so um, like creative. Yeah. And I thought that was cool, but I remembered that giraffes had sponges in their brains and I had to look up why they had sponges in their brains. And so apparently their necks are so long that when they drink water, all of the blood from their heart will go into their head. Oh, and wow. if they get startled by something, they'll flip their head up and their heart will explode. And their hearts weigh like 12 pounds. They're huge. Yeah. Um, and so that's no good. So <laughs> they have a... I just say that, sis. Yeah. So either, well, just depending on your beliefs, either, you know, divinely or evolutionary, they have a sponge in the back of their brain that holds all that blood. Excuse me, I had to burp because I drank all my coffee very quickly. Uh, and then it lets it down, like, slowly into their hearts so that their hearts don't explode, which I was like, that's pretty rad. Um, no, and then, on the other hand, there's a beetle, which name I can't remember, that intentionally explodes. Like, that's its whole thing, <laughs> is that it has exploding farts. <laughs> it has someone that, like, is trying to eat it or something, he's like, ha surprise, yeah. bitch. Boom. Yeah, that's exactly what it does. It will, like, but it doesn't die. It just, like, ex- it explosively farts on you. Um, oh, wow. And it, like, generates heat. And you will, like, get burnt. That's Um, crazy. Yeah. You know, the the giraffe thing kind of reminds me of woodpeckers because they have that sponge in their beak. And it, like... With the glue? mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They they can, like, glue bugs to their tongue. Yeah. And then eat them. That... That is actually a really cool fact. That's mm-hmm. what, not what I was thinking. Yeah. They have a they have like a sponge in their beak, so when they hit their like face against a tree, it doesn't hurt. Dude, that's crazy. Because like you, you would think, you know, after a while they'd get a concussion or something. Mm-hmm. But nope, they uh, got that spongy shit in there. <laughs> I, I I knew I didn't know about the sponge, but I remember learning that they have they have like a glue on their tongue and uh-huh. then a chemical reaction in the back of their throat, so that they glue. They, they do the spongy, mm-hmm. you know, peck on the wall thing, and then they glue a bug to their tongue, and then they swallow that bug, and then the chemical reaction goes, like, like get rid of that glue, 
and then they eat it, and then they do it all again. I, I mean, honestly, That's animals nuts. are significantly more interesting than humans. Oh, they so they so are. Like we we know a lot about humans now. Why why are we even bothering with this? You know? Yeah. Let's just talk about woodpeckers. This podcast is not dedicated to woodpeckers. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry you came here to learn about religion. We're just going to talk about woodpeckers. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Woodpeckers Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Just like take take that as you will. Yeah, you know? yeah. That, out of context, that could seem a lot weirder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. Uh, we we have our first guest today, so we're gonna yes. go uh, collect them where they're stored in the basement. Uh, bring <laughs> them up here, and we'll have a have a discussion about the meaning of life. <laughs> awesome. All right, then let's get into it. I literally talked to my therapist about that yesterday. You I, was like, what? I was like, I need to cut my nails. And she was like, you really, you do. I showed her in the video chat. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah. She no. was like, make time for that. Oh my gosh. I just did it. That's, that's how you know. I your laugh. Therapist is like, I you, laugh, you but I do that all the time. You um, can't tell me what to do. You're just my therapist. <laughs> I just pay you to tell me what to do. <laughs> But like, not really. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome back to the coffee yeah, shop. We're already back. deep into the conversation. Right. Um, listen to your therapist, unless they're telling you the wrong thing. The but I don't know how you would know. My therapist is a coffee shop in space. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are in the Cosmic well, Coffee Shop. Uh, introduce yourself, man. Uh, uh, my name is Max. Max Mortar. Um, I'm a musical theater student at Western. I'm also <laughs> married, father of three. Looking, <laughs> Wait, since when? Uh, <laughs> looking for love I'm, in the cosmos. <laughs> Of, of three brothers, I am the middle one. Um, got an older brother in Australia, mm-hmm. got a younger brother back home in Oregon. Got a dog I miss dearly. Good dog. Um, good dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I tutor. I sing. I dance. a song and dance man. That's the... I, it used to be on my bio on Instagram that I was a song and dance man because I think it's kind of a lost profession. Mm-hmm. There was a time when there was like a good portion of at least the people in New York that could safely say, oh yes, I'm a song and dance man. Well, that of was course, like the twenties and thirties there. <laughs> so oh that yeah, one, that the voice. Great Depression era. Uh, so, so that's what you do. <laughs> that's what it was. It was the Great Depression yeah. era. They oh, were yeah. all slugging yeah, that. All, <laughs> all the <laughs> bankers, all <laughs> fucking companies folded. They're like, I guess I got nothing left to do. But for sure. there's so many rich people like that. They're like, I just wish I could go into musical theater. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm Here like, we are, not rich people going into musical theater. <laughs> right. That's when we cut out the middleman. Why get rich first and give <laughs> go it straight up. into it? Just yeah. stay poor. <laughs> Money can't make you happy at all ever yeah Yeah. Yeah, it does does make you feel less anxious though sometimes i yeah absolutely there's that first step the Mm -hmm. first step of happy it's not going to give you lasting happiness but it's going to give you on the stairs it's going to give you the stairs are nice the stairs are nice Mm -hmm. the stairs of capitalism (laughs) (laughs) well uh welcome to the podcast max Mm -hmm. um you've told us a little bit about what you do but uh who are you i am I knew this was going to be the first question, so I thought about it a little bit. <laughs> I think that, like, first and foremost, I'm a daydreamer, Ooh. And, I'm a, and I'm a mover. Um, mover and a shaker. And, I love yeah, and I, I absolutely love sure, it. Yeah. Because I've been, like, daydreaming has been something that I've done for at least 30 minutes of every day of my entire life. I can't wow. think of a time when I wasn't just, like, zoning out a little bit. <laughs> um, and then and then moving because it's something that I found like is really necessary for me yeah um, like exercise moving but also like moving through my life there's a reason that I'm at a school across the country and it's because I couldn't stay in the place that I was in right um 
Yeah, moving forward too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, you really like you took a leap. You were like, you know what? <laughs> Let's go across the entire country. What's mm-hmm. the farthest place from here? Yeah, my biggest leap yet for sure. I definitely yeah. haven't done any leaps that big. Mm-hmm. That's like, really that's cool. exciting, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, in that sense is like that, that, and like also, I don't know. The chaos of my life is, I think, of having a lot of frenetic motion mm-hmm. in my day to day. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of moving because I have to, and then. Um, like, because I'm required, it, uh, other people require it of me, and then also just because I don't know what else to do with myself. Just kind of buzzing moving. around. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find that you, like, if you're not moving, if you're just sitting still, do you ever get jittery? Oh, dog. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a fidgeter. I'm a, I'm a like, twiddler. I'll mm-hmm. move my fingers around. When I was a little kid, um, I started playing string games, and I would talk to my mom in the kitchen. She'd be cooking food, and I'd be holding a conversation with her, just moving my hands through different string figures. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, that's normal. That's good. This will keep you from smoking cigarettes. <laughs> like, it, it, it worked. It did. To be fair, it did. But also, what does that say about a person that they need string games all the time? It couldn't be ADHD. Perfect, no, perfectly normal brain. I'm yeah, not kidding. We're all I mean, neurotypical I'm, here. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so, uh, like, talking a little bit about, you know, moving through life, uh, a little bit more in the times when we just kind of sit down, what's some of your favorite media? I like a lot of media. Um, my favorite media to, like, consume mindlessly is YouTube. Yeah. Because I, ha- I follow so many different YouTubers. Um, I'm always really embarrassed when I am, like, doing a presentation or something and I screen share and I happen to have to pull up YouTube for something, yes. and I see my recommendations. No, I, I, I feel that. I'm always like, uh, you're just going to think I'm sad. No. <laughs> you think what... <laughs> I have to admit to people that I watch competitive Smash Bros. videos for about 15 to 20 minutes a day. I'm yeah. like, oh, it's my fix. What can I say? I'm so sorry. I know this like totally changes the conversation, but speaking of Smash Bros., yeah. Oh, have you tried Steve? I haven't played Steve. I, I was at the Sam's uh, uh, last night, yeah. and they bought Steve. And, I, oh my god, it's incredible. He's amazing. One of my friends posted a video today of him just going, <laughs> he was just watching the character select screen, deselecting and reselecting Steve over and over again to get the announcer to say all the different names. Enderman. Steve! <laughs> Steve is the... He's way more you see, you've seen Steve. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and that yes, monkey. It I sounds really like know. him. It sounds That's like him saying his own things like Steve. That's so amazing. <laughs> so that's what I like doing like mindlessly. Um, which and I can't be specific. Like that's just my go-to mindless consumption. Um, but like favorite piece of media of all time. Oh my god, it's so hard. Um, y'all have split this into categories before, right? Like books and movies. Yeah, we did actually. If you want, it's kind of like Let's, whatever you're really. I think yeah. reliably, I can safely say that my favorite media of all time, because it because it has everything that I like. It has a great story. It has great music. Um, and it has a great theming. Is Castle in the Sky, the Miyazaki film, um, oh, based wow. off of the Lapita sub story from um, ah, Gull- uh, Gulliver's Travels. Not Gilligan's Island. Gulliver's Travels. Mm-hmm. I always get those guys, those G-Boys mixed up. <laughs> Makes sense. No, I, I, I can see that. I think they were called G-Unit. <laughs> the G-Unit. It was 50 Cent and Gulliver and Gilligan. That was the G-Unit. <laughs> oh, that is the, that's the real squad right there. It's a G-Unit. It's me, Gilliver. It's Gulliver. Gulliver. It's Gulliver's Tryland. But yeah, I love that story. There's something about the like whole aesthetic of it um, the way that the plot moves from section to section, it's really chaotic, mm-hmm. but there's always a clear domino effect for the previous event. Yeah. Going from, like, a mine to a small town to running along these railroad tra- like railroad tracks, then into the undercity beneath yeah. it. It's like, how would you possibly tie this together? But they pull oh, it off. So, what, what, what is, so, like, all of these different elements in it, like, yeah. what's the general story? It's the story of this 
magical city that flies in the sky. And it's magical, but it's technological. And oh, it's from an so older cool. era. Yeah. And there's this guy in the government named Muska. And he's looking for this this girl who has a stone that will like let him unlock Lapida. Huh. And so it's it's a story about power and like searching for power and, and also the misuse of power. Right. And what, what a person what the sort of person who wants that is driven by. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And how that affects the people around them. Seeing what it, what happens to um, Patsu, and uh, mm-hmm. there's pirates involved. The, the pirates, pirates, the pirates are great. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> My large adult sons. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pirate, the pirate <laughs> mom and her large adult sons. There's something really cool about that because there are these pirates who are searching for for wealth, right? So you right. might think like they'd be in the same camp as these government goons, but instead they have a sort of like freewheeling energy about them that it makes it makes for a really cool foil there. Mm-hmm. Overall, just and then the music is Joe Hisaishi is a great composer, yeah. and that there's so many like iconic themes in that um, that film. And then Miyazaki, it's like, oh yeah, Hayao Miyazaki Absolutely is one of the beautiful. best film directors of all time. Yeah. And Studio Ghibli paints like fiends. They're God, amazing. I love Studio Ghibli. So at basically any time you can be like, hey Max, you want to watch this movie? I'm like, yep. That's why I think I can say that safely say it's my favorite media because I have a lot of things that like were really really powerful for me when I read them. Um, Lathe of Heaven by uh, this is the biggest problem. I can't remember authors of things. Um, Blade of Heaven. What's her name? <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin. Thank Christ. Whoa. <laughs> that was geez, that was a light from heaven. Whenever I get that feeling of like I can't find the person who made this thing, and then I do, I'm like, oh, maybe God's real. Maybe, maybe God's real. It's like it's getting out for me. That's what convinces you. That's that feeling of like divine inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Ursula K. Le Guin. I don't know. Uh, Douglas Adams. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Another series that was like mm-hmm. really evocative. But like those are things that I have to be like. I'm feeling it right now. Castle in the Sky. Anytime. Yeah. Wow. Anytime. Anytime. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you. Probably got into Studio Ghibli when you were a kid. Do you have other like favorite childhood memories that really impact you now? We used to have this ugly, ugly front yard. It was crabgrass and it was decay, and there were these ugly shrubs at the front of it that just would never did not deserve to see the light of day. Um, <laughs> but it had these two things in the beginning that were great, and those were um, my mom's planter boxes that she built when I was really, really young, and these two trees that were great for climbing. And so I grew up in that front yard. And I'd be working in the garden with my mom, weeding. We would get a penny of weed. So then over the course of my childhood, that front yard changed so much. Um, mm-hmm. We put in a pergola, and I got to work on it with the guys who were building it. And we put in a fence, and I got to work on that with the guys who were building it. And we brought in, in gravel, and we pulled out all the grass. We pulled out those shrubs. And I spent, oh, I can't eat countless hours working with my family in that front yard. Yeah. And so all of the memories of my house are, like, connected to it deeply. Oh, eating tomatoes and blueberries fresh off the plant is, like, there's nothing else like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that really connected me from a young age to the outdoors um, in a way that I saw the the, the importance of of humans interacting with the outdoors. And you can't just go there and be like, oh, now I'm in the outdoor space. You you have to understand that you have an impact on it Mm -hmm. and that you can cultivate things within it. Did the memories mean a lot to you when they were happening, or are they more like when you look back on them? It was just chores. When it was yeah. happening, I mean, aside from the fun stuff, which was like running around playing with friends in the front yard, it was chores. It was ah, oh, God, the penny weed thing was like oh, that's the only thing that could motivate me. Now I go out there and I'm like, I spent an hour weeding and I feel great, and no yeah. one paid me. I did it for me. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. We're kind of on this anyway. Like, mm-hmm. what from your childhood made you who you are today? I think a lot about the influence of my mom. Uh, one of the other identities that really I like hits for me is being a mama's boy. I'm a mama's boy. I'm a crybaby. <laughs> I feel, um, feel that. And definitely, definitely <laughs> got that from my mom. That like emotional connectedness. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a person who works really, really hard on her relationships, um, which is something I admire and something that I try to embody more. And frankly, something that I struggle with a lot in my life. Um, but she always listens to people, and she always makes a real effort to, to build a connection of 
what they're saying to what the, what it means to her. Um, and then she'll like she'll double check that connection as she's communicating with someone and say like, this is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. This is how it sounds to me. Which I think I don't know keeps the person in check. So I, th- I really think she's been a huge inspiration. That it just sounds like you've learned like excellent communication skills from her. Mm-hmm. I think so, and I think I, I think some of them have been have been used perversely, um, <laughs> not like literally, <laughs> but in terms of like t- her the thing that she's taught me about like listening to people that I think I haven't embodied in good faith in my entire life, and so mm-hmm. in that way the lessons have also been learned later on as I've taken the skills she taught me and by fucking up with them turned around and did something better down the line yeah so like speaking of fucking up something that we all do so frequently if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self Mm -hmm. and give yourself three sentences of advice three sentences what would you say i would say um listen to your parents trust in the things that bring you real joy and Go to therapy sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think I think that a lot of those honestly fall into the first one because they're def- that's definitely advice that my folks gave me that mm-hmm. I ignored. But I think I spent a lot of my life distracting myself rather than trying to actually embrace things that yeah. that do bring me innate joy. And my parents were always like, well, you, like I, like a big one was video games for a long time. I had a really uncontrollable. Um, I, I the time the term I used at the time was addiction. Now I see it as more like almost self medicating with it. Uh, with video games, um, and, and, and self-medicating undiagnosed ADHD. Because I would have, I would so rarely be able to control my processing of stimulus and to be mm-hmm. able to go into a space where my agency is directly connected to these small movements of my hands. Mm-hmm. And there's sound, visual, and like tactile feedback. True like, hyperfocus. Exactly. It yeah. really brought that out of me. Um, but at that time, I would get in these ruts. And speaking of these huge communication skills, one thing I learned from how my mom talks is how to hold a conversation and look like I'm listening, and also be lie and be like lying or just lying by omission. Um, and so I, I would I would hide my video game play, even mm-hmm. though my parents had like strict rules about it. Right. Um, and then I would get in trouble, and my mom would like take my video games away for a week or two, and I'd cry like the first hour. But no, no. I go to my room. I remember like going to my room, like slamming on my bed. Like, Whoa. No, no. And then getting out and. No joke, less than an hour later, be like, oh, thank God. What a, weight off, yeah. what a weight off my back to be able to try and restructure my life around things that do bring me joy. And I find myself reading more. I find myself creating yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of got, gotten that instinct under control now as I'm getting older. I still struggle with it sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why I think listening to my parents would have helped me find that true joy that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And my parents also told me to go to therapy all the time. And I was, <laughs> like, and I was like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> no, ew, what? What brings you joy now as an adult? There are a lot of things, actually, which is, which is I think, one of the things that has helped me move into adulthood is, is realizing what things bring me joy and embracing them intentionally. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that I count on that list would be cooking, working out, which is, that's a, that, we could get it out of later. That's, I think it also ties into the moving thing. Music, making music, listening to music, for sure. Storytelling, whether that's with friends or, like, taking in stories of other people, yeah. which also includes theater. Like, that's where theater right. falls to me. That's what I'm studying it, for sure. I know that it's funny because it's the motto of our school, we are storytellers, but I do consider myself to be a storyteller, kind of like born and bred. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and I love it. I love the way that you get to craft a story. It's like this mystery that you've tied together. Um, I always used to think about essays. I've always been big into writing, which is another thing that brings me joy. And the feeling of, of, of writing an essay, here we go, got the through line, right? Got it going. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here's writing story. an essay and being able to, for like three pages, right, just long enough that it holds your attention, live inside someone's head, and watch them put together a conclusion by tying together yeah. these thoughts. Yeah. There's no feeling like that. It's so incredible. It, that is very interesting. It's You get to see their perspective. You exactly. get to see 
through their eyes, you know? And that's that's a big reason I wanted to do this, mm -hmm. is because I love just hearing stories from people, listening to like their life experience mm -hmm. and seeing their perspective and like mm -hmm. why they are the way they are. And I think it's I think it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, interview podcasts like this are great for exploring that that thing and that's one of the things that I think is so cool about the interview structure is that it can be driven by the person who wants to craft the story around the, per the, around the, the interviewee and it can also be driven by the interviewee's random thoughts you yeah. see these the story gets crafted the story of the interview gets crafted completely impromptu and I think that's a really beautiful thing yeah one of the things I said to you when I first met you was my favorite thing in the world is getting to know people for the first time mm. and something that's I love so much about like really reading anything or hearing somebody talk about something that they're passionate about which kind of includes this this podcast is getting to like get inside somebody's head um, just for that time and and let them just kind of let stuff out because in mm. our daily lives we're like we only have this much time to talk and it's got to be about this right now and Yo. really like we have a lot more time to converse and God. learn about people on a deeper level time's not even real time is just <laughs> time's not real made up. it's so it's so frustrating having so many reminders that our time like so many influences that say time is so real yeah that whole argument i remember hearing it when i was first in uh economics in high school i think it was probably junior year that i first learned the term opportunity cost mm. and people were like you should all the time be thinking couldn't i be making money right now what are you trading away oh. when you, Yeah, sure, when you're working, you don't get to spend time with your friends. But what about when you're spending time with your friends? You don't get to be working. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, what are you talking what? about? That's not what I live <laughs> for. Like, what like, I live God. for. It's, it's insane, the system that we've created for mm -hmm. ourselves, where it's yeah. just like, work, work, make money. And that's life. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... And it does restrict the exact kind of conversation you guys are talking about. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, when, our, when our life goal is, is putting money in our pockets... Like of course, like you need money to live. Like you, yes. we get, we get. We're it. we're in this somewhere. society. We're in this yeah, you know, yeah. capitalist society. We're kind of stuck in it for yeah, a little well, while. You at criticize least. capitalism and yet you participate in it. <laughs> you <laughs> criticize society. I'm and very yet, smart. Sorry, I'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's God, so funny. God, man. Europe is just the colon. You know, I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, Europe is. Uh, well, I, I mean, like we're we're kind of already getting into our our belief systems and such, but yeah. um. One of the like the main things that we want to talk about is uh, belief systems, um, and so are you religious or spiritual in any way? And if so, what uh, do you believe in? I'm like I'm like a bad religious person. Like people have, I, I feel like bad Catholics are more common. I feel like that's the most common yeah. bad religious person. There's, they, 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 they're self-identified. self There's quite a few in there. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, but people who identify as like I'm bad at doing my religion. Yeah. I'm a bad Buddhist. Um, I really believe in the Buddhist teachings. Uh, yeah. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in karma. Um, but I also don't meditate as much as I should. And I haven't, and I don't read as much of, of the writings as I should. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's the, it's the system of belief that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Same. Honestly, mm -hmm. like I, I don't know if I subscribe specifically to Buddhism, but like mm -hmm. the idea of reincarnation, um, for me, it involves more like pantheism, where it's just like mm -hmm. the divinity of everything. Totally. You know, everything makes the whole. And I think Buddhism like goes into that at mm -hmm. least a little bit. Um, could we talk about that a little bit? Actually, like, what is what is your Buddhist belief? Um, yeah. Well, like yeah. what? So, so there's like a bunch of systems of Buddhism. Yes. What, like, what do you, you know, kind of prescribe to? What do you really totally? Believe? Yeah. The the core teaching that I was originally taught when I was first introduced to Buddhism by uh, two friends in a community theater show. Um, what was it? Year, uh, two years ago now, 
um, was Nichiren Buddhism, which is a Buddhism of, of uh, the lay people. It was taught um, by Nichiren Daishonin in Japan. Um, there was a big splintering of the Buddhist practice there, where there were these people who said, like, it's this high-minded thing. You need to be doing it in isolation. You need to go to the monastery. You're not doing Buddhism correctly. And Daishonin basically said, like, no, what? I thought we can all agree these teachings are really important. Everyone should have them. Um, and so he really, one of the core traits of Nichiren Buddhism, which is, again, this is why I say I'm bad at it, is that I don't, I can't strictly say that I still subscribe to that one specifically. Um, because SGI is this whole, that's uh, Sogakake International, is this whole organization um, with its rules and things. And I don't know if, if that's the exact thing that I uh, subscribe to. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea of a religion for the everyday person that encourages them to make the world a better place. So mm -hmm. one of my core Buddhist faiths is that is that Buddhahood is something anyone can work towards and achieve, hopefully, for as long as possible, but more likely momentarily. Um, you don't get to enlightenment and stay there. Mm -hmm. You get to enlightenment and have to deal with the come down over and over and yeah. over again. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Which, like, that's so interesting with, like, the formation of the Buddhist faith, um, where the Buddha, like, sat under a tree for seven weeks in Nirvana and then was like, okay, that was cool. I'm going to go do other stuff now. Yeah. Um, it really is, like, it's, it's not this linear growth into mm -hmm. understanding the universe it's it's kind of that up and down and that up and down is so innate to it in that at any level you can always move up or down right yeah. and you should and you should be a, uh, committed to that change and not to the end goal right mm. right understand that it's going to flow mm -hmm. that's so interesting that's I, interesting. I think that's cool because i can definitely think about times in my life where i've hit that like you know nirvana where i'm like oh i get it you mm -hmm. know i yeah. i understand the secrets of the universe even if it's just like an amazing moment like like you know, finishing a show or something. like I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, it's euphoric and you're just in a headspace. Like you, you aren't even thinking about it mm -hmm. because you're just in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when you are kind of in the flow of things, you know, mm -hmm. and then it does, you do have to come down from that and you got to like come back to reality a little bit. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I find that super interesting because it's like, like with Christianity, mm -hmm. you know, you you get saved and you're set and that's it. And like, <laughs> Maybe. boom, you're good. To go. I mean, I know there's definitely more things you. you yeah, have but that's to a really do. common belief among Christians. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, my, sure. you know, I know people that are like, well, you know, I I said a prayer, I'm good, I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. It's like, mm -hmm. or vice versa, <sighs> if you don't say the prayer and you don't go to church, you can't get into heaven. Right. No, yeah. exactly. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I just don't subscribe to that. It mm -hmm. just doesn't make as much sense to me. Yeah. I, I remember a lot when I was like, okay, going to um, like big worship services or like events at my church and we happened upon this thing that me and my sister started calling the spiritual high where you would get like, mm -hmm. you would like, I don't know, you would cry or you would yeah. get over some trauma or whatever. Um, and then you'd get out of there and you'd be like, I am, wow, I, God is running through me. And then the next day you'd be like, and it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and I, like, I was kind of curious, like, do you feel like, we didn't have the events on the weekends. They were always on school nights. And that's so funny. That's, next, wow. when I do another episode, we're just going to talk about things that happened at those things. They were bizarro. <laughs> but, um. Nothing bad, just thinking funny. But I was kind of curious, like, do you ever experience that same thing with, with your religion where you, where you get to a point and you're like, oh my god, this is so high, and then it just kind of, like, drops? Oh, totally. 100%. Yeah. Um, more often than not, it happens in mundane moments or, like, over the course... I notice it most, I think, over the course of an afternoon or over the course of a morning when I find that no matter what setback I'm facing, 
I truly feel like it's making me a better person, mm-hmm. um, which is a core idea of Buddhism is that if there's a challenge facing you, you, the challenge is never too great. You are being too weak, which is not like meant to put people down, but instead meant to say, look within for the strength to overcome things. Mm-hmm. Don't look for the world to become easier randomly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just going to go, oh shit, nice. Yeah. I turn on easy mode. <laughs> I, things don't get less heavy, you get stronger. Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of matches up with like, in Christianity, people mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, God won't give you more than you can bear, mm-hmm. but it's like, things seem like it sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. like, if you look within yourself, you like look to God, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can overcome that. You're stronger right. than that. And in with most things you are, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we yeah, still is, have that strength within us. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a real fact. I think of a lot of religions. Um, and I think it's one of the really encouraging things in so many religions that so many different evangelical faiths get wrong where the core idea is like, oh, our evangelism is to make you into exactly what I am. Right. When the core idea is, if your evangelical faith is to encourage more people to have that belief that they can overcome things in their own way mm-hmm. and make the world better the next day, that is exactly what echoes around and makes the whole world better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely think that's a, a very strong kind of way to look at things. I, you, you spoke about it a little bit, but um, in what ways does your faith impact your life daily? Mostly, I notice it when I'm experiencing a setback. Um, mm-hmm. So when I'm having a good day, right, the setback becomes this thing that's like immediately a lesson. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, normally I can only stay in that, that mode for a couple hours where I'm like, I truly have like, I wouldn't say infinite patience, but I have, <laughs> I have at least the patience to handle really hard things and also the patience to comfortably communicate things that, might, that I might have limits on at that mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. which traditionally is something that I cannot do. I would be like, I have a limit and I just ignore my own boundary and I do the thing the other person wants me to do. Yeah. Um, but when I'm in a good state, I can, I can do both those things. And then my faith also impacts me on days when I don't have that bandwidth mm-hmm. in that if something is going wrong, I can eventually come back to it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so it just helps to reframe it. Sometimes I just put things off. The procrastinator face. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's what it is. I have to go like, this is something that I'm going to meditate on later. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. deal with this at another time. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Talk, talk to me a little bit about your meditation and like mm-hmm. what you do for that. Some of my best meditative moments have come when I'm walking. Um, I really like, this is something I've also stolen from therapy, uh, which is bilateral stimulus. Um, mm-hmm. Can't tradi- recommend it enough. Yeah, it's really amazing. <laughs> um, traditionally used in some like forms of therapy that, that offer like tapping or like a, like little vibratory pulses on your hands. Yeah. Um, but, but that also is applied by walking and by um, a, a ton of things. Uh, binaural beats can do it mm-hmm. if yes. it's the right kind. Oh, I love binaural beats. Kind of why we pace when we're anxious. Exactly, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It's very, and it, what it mimics is REM sleep, which mm-hmm. is like the way that our eyes flutter when we're in the yeah. sleep that really helps us process complicated things. Um, and so entering a state like that when walking, especially outside, um, and I feel like really light. Um, my mind naturally skims over things almost all the time. I'm very rarely thinking of less than two or three things at once and there's just not much I can do about it in my experience um and so what I find when I'm really in a good place meditatively either those three things are almost harmonizing yeah or they're I'm I'm holding all three in like balance without Mm. focusing on one more than the other without letting one feel like it's ruling the space Mm. um I don't think I've entered a space like that very often because that's like an effective meditation session and then other times I'm just sitting and I, um, I put my, my fingers and my thumbs in a circle um, because it helps me focus. And then I just like try as hard as I can um, to piece apart the different emotions I'm feeling and to feel grateful for as many of them as I possibly can. Um, I find wow. that gratitude is one of the best like drivers of that mm-hmm. for me. Absolutely. Because it starts as feeling like I feel bad. 
and I need to process this bad feeling. And then what it becomes is, well, where are the different sensory inputs that are producing bad? And how can I reframe each and every one? And slowly I'm untying all these knots until it comes apart. And there's the string yeah. figure completed. Yeah. I made yeah. Jacob's ladder. <laughs> that's such a great thing like way to allow yourself to feel effectively and not like shame any feelings that, that, right. that like that dualism and that unity is, is mm-hmm. so important you gotta um, have both like yeah. you do like, you wouldn't have good feelings without the bad ones mm-hmm. and also yeah you wouldn't and you wouldn't have controlled feelings without uncontrolled feelings either i don't exactly think. Mm-hmm. like intrusive thoughts are something that i've always really struggled with mm-hmm. um sometimes suicidal sometimes just really bad ideas <laughs> and, and I've and I've fallen into those traps with my a- letting my actions being influenced by those um, thoughts sometimes uh-huh. um, but I also can when I'm in a good again a good space enter into a state where I can feel what I can control and I can feel what I can't control mm-hmm. and I can look at both of them and, and acknowledge that by the nature of my ability to look at them neither of them needs to define me for any permanent period of time yeah yeah that's really cool I, I would love to take uh, our patented 90-degree uh, turn at this okay. point ah, of yes. the podcast um, and ask you about a completely different topic <laughs> under do. the assumption that we will come back to your personal philosophies later. Um, <laughs> what did you want to be when you grow up? No, no, no. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do I want to be when I grow up now? <laughs> yeah, okay, I definitely really haven't grow grown up, up yet. Um, <laughs> None of us have. <laughs> We're getting there. I, I, I plan to grow taller and hopefully heavier. Um, oh, my guy. <laughs> you're 22, someday. you're tall enough. That's not even fair. Look at, look, like, <laughs> five, 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 nine, baby. <laughs> woo woo. Good what, night what? to all the five, nine boys. <laughs> <laughs> my um, heart goes out to you. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at this as, as someone who is five, two and frequently picked up against my will. It's true, I do that. I want to get strong enough to lift George at all times. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, I, oh, man, when I was, so this is, this is funny, actually. When I was really young... I was certain that I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Harvard and I wanted to be a writer. I had wow. these two, and I had these two ideas innately linked in such a way that as I got older, the be a writer thing got fuzzier, but the I need to go to a school like Harvard got stronger and stronger. Mm. Um, Interesting. And that, that like broke in my senior year. Um, but what I really want to be more than anything when I grow up is like, um, I, feel, I feel bad because you guys have talked about this already, but I want to be content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a feeling that I found more and more to capture what I actually want. Yeah. More than, like, happy or successful, which was, for a while, <laughs> for a while, there was nothing I wanted to be, there was nothing I wanted more than to be more successful than John Heater. You know John <laughs> Heater? You know John Heater. He's the star of your favorite movie. Uh, I'm bad at names. Napoleon Napole- Dynamite. Wait, yeah. oh, wait, is he from Oregon? He's from Salem, Oregon. He's from my Oh, hometown. wow, I never put those pieces together. He went to wow. Children's Educational Theater. Which the very same to? program that I went to from a very oh young age when I was a TIA. Yeah. Wow. We and never really broke that down. I met him at a Comic-Con. I met him at a Comic-Con in Portland, and I looked at him, and I was like, you know Tom Hewitt? And he's like, yeah, I know Tom Hewitt. No one else knows Tom Hewitt. Not the famous Tom Hewitt who's on Broadway. Right. Yeah. Different Tom Hewitt. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. The who's unfamous famous for Tom Salem? Hewitt. And if he's listening to this, I love him. I love you, Tom. <laughs> Big inspiration in my life. Great educator, great comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know Tom Hewitt. And I know you, and I'm gonna be bigger than you. This was me at like, like 18. Did I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Oh, okay. you, <laughs> you walk up to the guy that started the poem. I'm, I'm gonna be better than you. I'm gonna be bigger than you. <laughs> Which is fun. That was what I wanted then. I was like, I had this, I had this misguided yeah. idea first that I would be successful by being really, really, really good at school, um, and then that I would be successful by being better than certain people. Um, and it wasn't just John. <laughs> there were other people in my life that I was like. This one person really drives me crazy. And if I can just one day look back on it and go to like a high school reunion and be like, yeah, well, I did oh, this better I than you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
hardcore. Which is like nothing. It's like the opposite of contentment. Yeah. And it, yeah. Exactly, it exactly is. And what I realized as I was exploring those as my objectives in life mm-hmm. was that there was nothing in the day-to-day that could satisfy that kind of emotional, like, goal. It was always in the future. It was always somewhere far away. And, yeah. Yeah. And so so I'd get to the end of the things I had to do in a day, like homework and work, and I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Because I'd be like, what what do I actually want? Do I want anything at all? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I, I do think part of that was was coping with depression in a space where I wasn't receiving therapeutic assistance, which, again, was offered to me from, like, sixth grade, and I denied it, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. Um... Because I really doubted that it would help me, which of course it has helped me a ton, and that was so foolish. But what can you do? You're in sixth grade, um, and so and so I do think that that space of finishing the requirements of a day and not knowing what there was left to do with myself is still something I struggle with. But I think in finding more and more things that fill that void, I find more of what I want to be when I grow up. So speaking of growing up, you know, changing who you are, becoming. A new person if you could change uh, anything in the world just like one thing without consequence what would it be I want to abolish hierarchy so bad boys. <laughs> get rid of it I want all, all hierarchies I don't care which ones take them yeah. down I, I agree with that though I oof. why because I think that any system currently in place that holds one person over another can be ruled as a degree towards fascism. But the problem is, fascism is something people have in their pictures, pictured in their heads as like, that's Nazis. That's what Nazis are. But fascism is really just this innate belief that a person can be better than another yeah. person. Huh. Nazis um, were sneakier so than you think. What you're telling me is fascism's already here. Exactly. No, no, exactly oh, yeah. is. Oh, yeah. There are so many degrees to fascism in every form of our everyday life. And a lot yeah. of them are, are instated in such a way that we just take them for granted. Yeah. God, you know, it, it, uh, you were talking about fascism being someone being able to say you're better than yeah. someone else. Um, it's crazy because they already have in other countries like apps where it's a rating system for your person. Mm-hmm. Like that Black Mirror episode. Yeah, it's yeah. literally the Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. and it's real. Yeah. It's that's a really thing that's happening. And we have, and we have, I mean, so many straightforward ones here that are things that could bring people together. Like, I make this much money in a year and instead it's, oh shit, I don't make as much money as you, I'm a worse person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When Which the reality is, is there's so many extenuating circumstances that allow for stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I see. Yeah, so there's a lot of hierarchies that I think are wrong. Um, yeah. Religious hierarchies, capitalistic hierarchies, obviously it's a big one. Um, racial hierarchies, uh, mm. sexual hierarchies. There's like... Things with abusable power. Exactly. Yeah. Any, any time that someone looks at power as something that shouldn't be distributed equally to people who also believe that power should be distributed equally. That's part, I think that's part one of the core problems is that the people who love having power talk about how important it is that power gets distributed in a, 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 like an ethical way, which in their mind is inherently unethical. The rule system they set right. out is like, well, the power should go to the people who make the most money, or the power should go to the people who can get the most votes, which, in, again, most of the time comes out of who has the most money. I'm yeah. yeah. so fast. I'll slow down. No, no, yeah, 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 let's, yeah, yeah. Have, let's slow down. Let's take it back now, y'all. Sometimes we just get really excited about abolishing hierarchy I and really do. essentially capitalism. Yeah. I mean, capitalism is like the biggest global hierarchy now that the most people are bought yeah. into. Yeah. And it's the reason I think if I could want it to. Right. Yeah. Or not to. Because if the emphasis is on growing your hierarchy mm-hmm. and you learn that your hierarchy is based on how much money you have, you're probably going to exploit people with a lower hierarchy to grow yours and yeah. then Precisely. you just kind of become this impenetrable force Be- of it. It's, it's a selfish system. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it drives me so crazy when people talk about how people are selfish. People are just selfish. And like every person who's ever made that argument to me has taken for granted the fact that we were raised in a system that encourages you from the moment you begin Mm -hmm. to have proper cognition that life is zero sum. Mm -hmm. And that we can't find 
solid solutions for everything. We can't find compromises for everything. Right. Because one person has to have and one person has to have not. It's the mm -hmm. only way it's going to function. Mm -hmm. Drives me crazy. And the reason I think you need to abolish it on a global scale mm -hmm. is because until you do, it's going to be really, really hard to build up those, like you said, yeah. smaller spaces that are not hierarchical mm -hmm. because they will get abused by the bigger hierarchies. Exactly. Like, like the reality is, is greed is not something that comes naturally to us as humans. It is mm -hmm. hard. It is difficult to become a greedy person. Yeah. And like, I... I, I I was raised in a house that wasn't like technically liberal. The the main like thing was just like, hey, love everybody. Um, but I didn't go to public school, and so nobody ever taught me anything more mm -hmm. than love everybody. And I came out of high school very liberal, very liberal, <laughs> um, regardless of my parents' political affiliations, just because that's what they had taught me. You were just and, ahead of the game. Yeah, what, what I learned was just like it's it's hard to be greedy. It's hard to not be empathetic. You have to put work into that. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. and if you're not taught to, you won't. I feel yeah. like when you're what we're taught you know, now in our mm -hmm. lives is like exactly what you were just saying, Max said, like one person has to be better. And mm -hmm. it's a taught thing. Greed yeah. is a learned thing that we get from, mm -hmm. you know, the generations above us that teach us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, that's something that our generation has the chance to change. Yeah. Where if we teach our children, you know. Yeah. I think we get taught to tolerate greed more than we get taught to actually that's be greed. Right. That's the evolution of how fascism works, right? Mm -hmm. it, each new iteration, it needs to keep itself alive in some secret, simple way. And so first it was like just inventing money, right? It's like, well, you're not living, technically you're not living on the Lord's land anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't own you and your property. You're you free. have some money too. You have a little mm -hmm. bit of money for your own. So you're free <laughs> in this little way. Mm -hmm. And people find that out. And it goes to another step of like, okay, well, we'll put it in the laws now. Now it's just in the laws. Mm -hmm. You yeah, have yeah. a hierarchy. It's um, definitely difficult. And now it's the, the sheer argument I think it's, it's coming down to is like, well, now people are saying we shouldn't have it. And those people suck. So we need a hierarchy. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's, it's the most bullshit thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's literally the mean bully kids that are like, no, I, I want this. Yeah. It's, I want more for me. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a real house of cards. I don't, I, I truly do not understand how people can incentivize fascism i don't get it because it does just to me feel bad i think yeah. it falls into that um I, I saw a play at a college that i was visiting um that was called and then they came for me oh, that yes. was about um you know nazis based off the speech mm -hmm. right. yeah. yeah and, and it, it was based on that speech and we really do look at stuff when we're, when we're kind of in our own little bubble we're like that can't really affect me all that much uh, but you're, you're probably going to be next. Can if, I quote, if we don't start can I quote the Run Jewel song, the Please. LP verse? Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about a cage, they're never built for just one group. Because mm -hmm. when that group is done and you're so poor, they come for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. There will always be a group of people above you yeah. telling you that you are in competition with the people either at the same level as you or below mm -hmm. you because they want to profit off it. Yeah. It's, it's really sad that we are told this too because like, you know, a big realization most people hopefully have mm -hmm. is that you know, you can see that adults or people in power, yeah, they don't, like, they might have an expertise in some mm -hmm. specific thing, sure. but they don't know mm -hmm. what's going on. They don't have a handle on the universe yeah. at yeah. all. No yeah. one does. The advice that my dad the gave The universe me, does not have handles. Yeah, the it's not just, 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 just grab onto that shit. No handles. No. <laughs> uh, the, the advice that my dad gave me uh, pretty soon after I got into college, where I, I texted him, I was, I was like, I'm an adult, and I am faking it, uh, right? And he was like, he's like, the secret is... Everybody is faking it. Like, my, my dad has, like, a good amount of power in his company. Like, he's got a lot of people below him. And he's like, yeah, I'm in my 50s. I'm faking it. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. we're all just faking yeah. it. And when we start, you know, deitizing people who are, in reality, also just faking it. Yes. Uh, stuff gets a lot uh, harder to 
reach with empathy. I think your dad's also a great case for the like the abolishment of hierarchy, at least some senses. In the conversation, can I talk about the conversation you had about livable wages with him? Because I think that's so fascinating. Oh my god, I don't remember which one, so I'll stop you if it gets the, yeah, sure. concerning. The way that, that existing hierarchies say, well, you can't just pay your workers a livable wage. What are we going to do? Raise, raise the money? And so your dad had heard that and said, well, I can't. I mean, what do I need to pay them? What do I need to pay them? And you said, Dad, you're already doing it. Yeah, you're already yeah, you're already paying them livable wage. And that's like, when, when we're talking about, you know, like, oh, McDonald's workers. And people are like, well, they're mm-hmm. unskilled workers. Well, they're never going to be able to get skills to be skilled Precisely. workers if right. you only pay them seven twenty-five. And if you think in a world where we make work equitably distributed, there aren't going to be people who go... You know what? I actually low-key just want to flip burgers and hang out with my friends. There will be people who want oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, I have a, a distinct memory of going to a restaurant at a at the beach with my family, and our waiter was, like, really hype, and I was kind of suspicious because normally people just aren't that hyped to be working yeah. in restaurants. <laughs> and <laughs> my grandma really asked excited. him, and, she was, and he was like, I've been working here for 22 years. This is my dream job. Nothing makes me happier than working here. Wow. And he was, like, really genuine. Because at the end of the day, like, there are people who are totally happy to do kind of whatever the world needs. Like, it, it will space out. Not everybody is going to go, I need to be a millionaire right now. Right. Like, I don't want to be a millionaire. Oh, and like, let's start giving people with kindness, give people what they need to succeed and live. And I assure you, not everyone is going to sit back and be like, I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't want to do it's anything. It's not fun to not do anything. I was unemployed for six months because of Corona. I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Being unemployed sucks. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how they expect people to live on seven twenty five. Mm-hmm. That's insane, right? It's baffling. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and then you know people who are making a livable wage or or have bought into capitalism completely are like, yeah. well, they just need to work harder. Mm-hmm. Well, they just need to be better. Because that was true for our parents' generation, and right. it's not true for us. Well, it's true for their generation because in the eighties, you could sit there and live on seven twenty five. You could yeah. pay yeah. rent. You mm-hmm. could have food, yep. and you could have money on the side to save. Mm-hmm. I, that's another good example of something that I'm like, how is that still around? That people still think that's okay when we can acknowledge that so many more things have gotten so much more expensive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a house is so Inflation. Like, my, my parents talk about how they pay. It's right there. <laughs> my parents have talked to me about paying their tuition in cash. If I, wow. if I to pay wow. my tuition in cash, I would need three duffel bags. Like, yeah. there's no way what I could do it. do it. Yeah, you it's not, it's not an envelope it. worth of money anymore. And we, I don't understand how people also see that accelerationism as something that's not a problem. They're like, yeah, that's just the course that we're on now. It's an exponential curve, and things are just getting that much worse. That yeah, what's going to happen? Are we going to, like, I mean, that in, that inflation that keeps going up, what are we going to do, print more money? Like, right. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> that'll just, fix it. It's not, <laughs> that'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's not just inflation. It's, it's like price gouging and all these different yeah. capitalistic tactics that get encouraged by people who are still in that hierarchy and still yeah. echoing the same stuff. And something I, I really I really believe this, that no matter what your political affiliation is, everyone has been in a tough spot. There's always been a time yeah. where you can't afford groceries, there's a time where you can't get rent without assistance. If I didn't have my parents' assistance, I would not have much at all. Um, and I like that's why I consider it such a great blessing. But I know that when I don't have that assistance, there's gonna be a time when I can't quite make it on my own. And everybody has, no matter what you mm-hmm. believe in. Yeah. And so, like, when I think about what I want for the world, I, I don't really care what you believe. I want you to succeed, too. I don't ever yeah. want anybody yeah. to be in that spot again. Because mm-hmm. um, that sucks. Like, I remember being, like, 11 or 12, and one of my friends got their uh, water and heat shut off. Oh, wow. And it was the first time in my life when I was like, wow, I have something that not everybody has. And yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and I don't want anybody to experience that. I, re- I really don't. And so, like, like, that's what I think about when I'm, like... Everybody feels that. Was that the first time you noticed privilege? What was the first time you felt? Yeah, like? it was. It was the first time I like really had to see it. Mm-hmm. I knew that 
my house had a pool. I knew that I'd never oh, wow. been hungry. Was, I knew that, that we went. Yeah, I knew we went out to eat a lot more than some of my friends. But when one of my friends said we're not having Christmas this year because our house is cold, I had like a breakdown. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. whoa, this is one of my best friends, and they they were not able to survive. And I like in that environment because money was so t- it was like pretty close to the recession. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my god, that's like seriously such a big gap between me and my friend and we experience life in a different way and we're 11 yeah and, and that, that was really tough for me to see and I, I think that when we blind ourselves to events like that and we go like well it's somebody's fault it's somebody's fault it's somebody's mm. fault it wasn't anybody's fault sometimes life is just hard and we could make it easier do you have any instances like that cody like anything that was like oh shit oh i mean I don't know. I, I had a. I mean, definitely the pool when I when you I go. No, I didn't have a pool. Oh, yeah. When I went to like a lot of my friends' house who had pools. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, oh, you, oh, okay. And I asked my parents. I was like, could we? Could we possibly get a pool? And they were like, <laughs> they just laughed. Like, there, yeah. there's no yeah. way. Um, but then also, it's not just that. Like, physical privilege was like one of the first ones. I mm-hmm. I have uh, a friend who has cystic fibrosis. Right. And Christian, right? Yeah, no, he's great. He actually has a podcast. Uh, hey, it's nice. called Anything But Politics. So there it is. Go Check listen to Anything But Politics. It's great. Um, yeah, you but, can call that what this show is. Yeah, we're, we're not, not talking about politics, politics right now. <laughs> at all. But, um, like, realizing that, oh, shit. Like, some people have, I, I can, like, I don't know. It really put things into perspective for me. Yeah. All my problems that I thought I had when I was 13, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it was just, like, nothing. I realized, shit. People have, like, real things. A really strong argument that I heard recently was, like, the big argument against making the world more accessible is always, like, well, that's inconvenient because very few people are going to benefit from it. But the big deal is nobody who's able-bodied is going to be inconvenienced by something that makes life livable for somebody who isn't. So, like, make the world accessible. You're not even going to notice. But I assure you that somebody, like, like here at Western, our um, health services building is not handicap-accessible. Um, at all. It's insane, which yeah. is nuts. That's yeah. the yep. building that needs it the yeah. most. Like, and, like, I've been there a ton of times, and I didn't notice it wasn't handicap accessible until my best friend broke her foot. Um, and we couldn't get her into the building. Um, so if you spend your whole life in a wheelchair or on crutches, and you can't get into buildings that can help you get necessary care, you're not going to go to that college. You might not even go to college yeah, at all. Yeah. That shouldn't be a problem. I, right. But I wouldn't have noticed if there had been a ramp. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't right. have noticed. It's one yeah. of those strange instances of zero-sum logic that's just like, well, we can't have it both ways. But it's like, what if there's literally slow... It's like, like, hear me out. Third way? Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Could be. Yeah. Maybe everybody benefits and nobody's really that inconvenienced. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, like, people... The, you know, they'll say it's not in the budget. Or they'll say they don't have the money for it, but they, they do. What do you, and like, what do you have the budget for? If you right, right. If yeah. you're spent, like, you know, do you really need a whole new, like, six-story parking deck? Or yeah. could you, you know, yeah. maybe put a ramp? Or could you make your school accessible? Like, I, that, that happens in so many places. Yeah. Like, I watched this amazing documentary. Uh, if, if I could remember the name, I would plug it, about um, how clear doors could make life for uh, people that are hard of hearing or deaf significantly easier. And hearing people aren't going to notice. You're just like, ah, clear door. Like, like that's yeah, already a stylistic thing that people like. Oh yeah, Last when you doors. build a building, mm-hmm. put in clear doors. It's not hard. It's not hard. Yeah. God. Sorry, sorry we got really. Yeah, no, no, I'm no, not we... really sorry, but I acknowledge that we got really fired up about politics. This <laughs> happens frequently with the three of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So let's let's get back to it then, Max. Yeah. Do you think, like, looking back over your life, okay, up to this point, do you have any regrets? Oh God. I hate. 
I, I definitely can't be one of those people who says, like, there's not a thing I wish I could take back, um, because there are things I wish I could take back. Um, lessons that I learned about how to better connect to people and how to have healthier relationships that I repeatedly, le- that I repeatedly learned by doing the wrong thing yeah. and then did it again. Um, I hurt a lot of people. Um, and then rather than properly addressing it, I would grow in the way that I could in my own life and I would end the relationship and I would separate myself. I think it's, I think it's one of the reasons that Mover is also really applicable because I had relationships in high school, for instance, um, with people that were different from me. Um, and they got more different from me from middle school into high school. And rather than try to bridge that gap, I said, look, they're becoming different and I don't know what to do. And to be fair, it's high school again. So right. you're like, you're figuring yourself out. God, um, no high school relationship is good. It's like, so hard. So hard. Um, Very few. Yeah. And so this is like, and this is like friends and, and romantic yeah, relationships. Yeah. Um, that rather than find that compromise, I said, I just can't. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I have friendships where I, I like, we'll see people still posting on social media and be like, I was, we were friends once and I don't know what to do now. Yeah. And I wish, I, I really do genuinely find those to be regretful. Mm-hmm. I think th- those are regrets that I have because... I was showed so many different times in so many different ways the right way to treat people, and I ignored it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And if you don't learn, I think if you don't learn the lesson from an experience, then it's fair to call it a regret. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because it's going to take, because it means you're going to learn it eventually, and right. chances are you're going to learn it by making the same mistake again. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my case, speaking again on those intrusive thoughts, suicidality wasn't something I struggled with a lot, um, but one thing I did struggle with in relation to my imposter syndrome was this idea of like being a better person as something that would just be unreachable for me forever. And so if any person started thinking of me as a good person, I had an obligation to destroy that perception on their part. Wow. Um, and I would do it. And I did it over and over again uh, with my parents, with romantic relationships, with social relationships. And I said, I can't be that. I know I can't be that. And the fact of the matter is that no one can be that. Yeah. And that when people say that you're a great person, they don't mean you're a great person all the fucking time. Right. Mm-hmm means they see you do something great and they think it's cool mm-hmm. see i think it's important to see when people are trying mm-hmm. because totally. everybody makes mistakes everybody royally fucks mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. but the people that try to do something about it that really try to change or grow because of it mm-hmm. those are the people you can tell are trying mm-hmm. there are people who are stuck in their ways though mm-hmm. you know and stuck in their closed mindset where they're just like uh, i fucked up and they get mm-hmm. stuck yep mm-hmm. um and so I think, I don't know, that's just ins- incredibly important to mm-hmm. just keep trying to become better. Yeah. To, of, to be yeah. good is not to be infallible. Right, right, right. right. To, being good is that same thing we were talking about earlier spiritually of, of striving upward but not right. seeing the upward thing as the destination. I had a friend say to me when I was in college, my first year, um, she said, the thing that I admire the most about you, I think about it actually in like junior, senior year of high school, was you notice something bad about yourself and you just change it. And that's very much who I was then. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had a really intense self-hatred. And so anything I could do to make myself feel a little bit better about myself, whether it was like, oh, exercise a little bit more, or like, do a bit better in this class, I would do it, and I would pursue it with the whole heart of someone who fully did not like themselves. Mm. Um, and so it was a compliment from her. But yeah. for me, it was like, I wish I just didn't feel that need all the time to mm-hmm. move wow. past what I was. Yeah. Um, and and the, way that, the way that it's been taken forward by another friend of mine since then, the thing that was said to me was the reason that you mess up and you still find your way back to relationships with people. It's all in the way you fail gracefully. Um, and I think wow. that's like the truth of, of life yeah. that if you can't fail gracefully, you're going to get stuck. 
in that yeah. same thing that you said, because mm-hmm. yeah. you're going to fail, Yeah. so you better do it gracefully. You better <laughs> stick the landing. God, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. Fail forward. Yeah, fail forward, exactly. Mm. Uh, what is your greatest fear? So, like, childish one, dark. Fucking hate the dark. Mm. Yeah. I really hate the dark. That's a space that I can imagine whatever I want, mm. and I have a pretty scary imagination. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which ties into the daydreaming thing, because daydreaming can go dark pretty quick. Um, mm. I think my biggest fear is that the the things that I want most in life really are asymptotal and that I will never be able to reach them. And that's how I know that's like not a rational fear mm-hmm. because that's the truth of, of life. It's like you reach for these things because you need to reach for them, not because you expect to actually grab them, right? Mm-hmm. Honk them on the nose like a clown. <laughs> You're not going to honk the nose. You reach for the nose because it's red and it's shiny. But um, you just won't be able to but honk it. you won't it. honk it. Yeah. So why be afraid of the fact that you're going to fail on those right. goals, but I still, I can't get out of it. See, mm-hmm. that's something I, I noticed. I was going to actually ask you. Yeah. Do you feel like now, mm-hmm. now that you kind of understand it and have a better grasp on it, are you able to sit and just realize that, like, being you now is enough? Like, you have grown. You, you've tried to change yourself, and you're always looking forward. Yeah. But at the same time, there's got to be that balance. So you want to move forward. You want to strive to be better. But you've also got to take a step back and look at how far you've come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and realize that right now isn't so bad. It's not so bad. Yeah, that's, that's I think, especially true in this, like, exact specific moment of, like, whoa, oh, God, the world explodes. Right. But, like, things could be okay. I wish I felt like that more. Yeah. Um, because I do feel like that sometimes. Like, it's a good indication of when I'm in between, like, that really great state and, like, a more neutral or bad state is, yeah. like, can I sit where I am and be like, this is enough. This is enough. I'm yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's great. So yeah, when it's when it's good, yes. Yes. When it's not good, it's wonderful. <laughs> right. Go. And you know what? Life's always gonna have those ups and downs. It's totally. always it's got that duality, that yin and yang. I mm-hmm. I love that metaphor because it's just so true to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely everything. And so there's gonna be up days and down days. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I find that the thing that helps me most is that even on the down days, I can sit there, whether it's in meditation or just in life. Yeah. And realize that. Actually, Sam, he told me this, and yeah. it, it really helps me a lot. People like, look down at your feet, look down at your hands. You're you, right now. And if nothing else, that's enough. That mm-hmm. slaps. That's yeah, awesome. That's so cool. really kind of changed my perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, Georgia, if you'd like to ask <laughs> one, of these, one of these big last three. So, we got, we got three big hitter questions. Cool. Uh, and the first one is... What do you believe happens when you die? To be perfectly honest, it's, I'm not sure it's something I'm ready to concern myself with. All um, right. There was a point when I was, like, really interested in it when I was younger. And that's when I was, because I was raised Christian for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, heaven seems like a pretty sick place. Pretty chill, dog. Seems rad. Yeah, dog seems like a cool hang. Chilling with the, JC, <laughs> our boy. JC, yeah. Um, big G. That's the real G unit. <laughs> That's the real upstairs. The man upstairs. The man upstairs. Um, God. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a big heaven is a place on earth type of person in mm-hmm. in terms of that idea, but then in terms of like literally what happens, I think that reincarnation in terms of the soul is something I'm still not entirely ready to examine. Again, okay, right. I, it's something I, I want to get to as I like figure out what I'm doing in this life more on those literal terms. Reincarnation is something that occurs with the people that we love, mm-hmm. that is passed down to like every single person you've ever had interaction with even if they don't remember who you are, is carrying a piece of you. Yeah. And so in that way, like you talk about with your pantheism, Cody, yeah. I think that human relationships have an innate divinity to them yeah. that is part of what keeps that chain going. I totally agree. I think since it is 
at least in my opinion, like the universe just becoming sentient yeah. in a way that it can't understand that it's really part of the universe. Mm-hmm. It can't quite grasp that, but it's able to sit there and look at itself. Mm-hmm. That's all That's all we are. We can, we can examine the universe around us and make connections with the universe around us. And yes. I think that's incredible. Absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, the soul, it goes on. I mean, we are energy. We have energy in us. And energy can't be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's out there. And so whatever is in us, whatever is our quote-unquote soul, it goes on. So whether you like mm-hmm. know or not, it's just interesting to me that yeah. we know something happens. Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't know what, and no one can really know. And that's yeah. kind of part of the beauty of it. Part of what I love about this is we can speculate, have ideas, pick the one that sounds the best, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever fits But that's right. just a theory. Yeah. An existence <laughs> theory. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> An existential crisis <laughs> theory. God. Um, <laughs> but going from that, yeah, you're not totally ready to examine what happens after life, but during life, mm-hmm. what do you think the meaning of life is? I think life is about honesty. Mm-hmm. I think life is about being honest with yourself and being honest with the world around you in terms of what you honestly want and in terms of what you honestly think is best. Um, I think that a lot of the things that go wrong in existence and in our lives are lies that we convince ourselves are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being true to yourself in terms of like what you've talked about before on the show, Georgia, um, your innate being and what feels best to you. But I think that that applies to everything in existence um, because it connects closely to like to nature and to what is true in nature, right? What are the natural, um, what's part, what are parts of the natural order? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also what is true in our cognition Mm -hmm. and when we ethically look at things and like, I, I hate to talk about rationality because the people on the internet that are like, blank-faced, suit-wearing YouTube avatars talking about how you can't have feminism because it's innately irrational. <laughs> um, but I do think, I think rationality gets at that truth a little bit. Um, and seeking that truth, not in only internally, but also externally in relationships. Um, yeah. Building honest relationships with the people and making a world that is more honest. Because I think that any form, as we've talked about already, any form of hierarchy is dishonest. Yeah. There's a lie inherent the idea that any person is better than another person yeah mm. um, and I think that the meaning of life is you get rid of all those lies and you have an honest world mm-hmm. and you have people that are more easy, easily able to find the honesty within themselves and live fuller lives I like that I, I like finding honesty finding truth yeah maybe totally. even mm-hmm. I, I love that yeah I think it's cool because life all of this that's why I love this question so much yeah just because I think the meaning of life is that it's subjective. Mm-hmm. You get to sit there and have, it's like a choose your own adventure, you exactly. know? And you get to sit there and experience life from different perspectives. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, that's part of another reason why I wanted to do this so much. It's just because yeah. we're getting that, you know? We're getting those perspectives. We're getting that truth. Yeah, yeah. which is what you talked about, Georgia, when you said mm-hmm. um, you like getting to know people. That's what you're getting exactly. to know is getting yeah. to know someone's truth. Yeah, exactly. and I also love this question. I think that, when we hear other people's meaning for life, even if it doesn't match our own, it reinforces that life has meaning uh, and therefore value, especially for those of us who have kind of toured with mora- toyed with morality. Um, it, is, it is really helpful to, to hear from so many people that, that life does have meaning and there's mm-hmm. a reason that we're here, regardless yeah. of what that is. I really, yeah, if there's one thing that I know isn't the meaning of life, it's not that life is meaningless. Unless you take that in terms of life has no inherent meaning and that means we can apply meaning to it. Right. Yeah. Because I think that is 
irrefutable. I don't think oh, anyone yeah. can refute that we have control over the meaning that life has. Exactly. We get we get to choose. So yeah. if you think your meaning for life is to make a million dollars, that's your meaning for life. If your meaning right. for life is to Ooh, but when you hit a million well dollars, be honest. You gotta, what, what are you going to do? do? What yeah. are you going to do? I, I, so I, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Yeah, our our well, final question, which is my all-time favorite question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the best advice you've ever received? This is water. This is I hate to I hate to quote one of the most watched like inspirational videos that they show you at your fucking business <laughs> seminar how to steal people's money while making them smile. Wow. Like it's yeah. such a I, I don't know I I have a real respect for David Foster Wallace as a writer and as a thinker and I think also as a fellow depressed person. Um, <laughs> but me too. Right. <laughs> but that idea that that we are fish swimming mm. through a world that we have to remind ourselves is the world over and over and over again because every other part of your life, not only the voice in your head, but also the voices everywhere else will tell you it's not. Mm-hmm. This is not a world that we're, that you're actually living in. This is a world that's about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so many things will reinforce the ego. There's probably some like better, more esoteric, uh, differently worded phrase that refers to the ego because I think that is what This Is Water refers to, mm-hmm. um, which is like, you are not your ego. Right. Um, but I think it's the best advice any person can hear because there are so many different ways you're reminded of it every day, reminded not to listen to that advice every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and Georgia knows I'll, I'll frequently pull that video on when I'm feeling really bad mm-hmm. and just cry. Yeah. Um, because the things that make us feel bad are also part of existence. Yeah. And you yes. have to just acknowledge them. You have to acknowledge them, which which I don't think means accepting them. No. I think things can go wrong and you can say, this is this is right dishonest, like we've mm-hmm. talked about already. This is not ethical. Um, but at the same time, it's happening. Yeah. And because it's happening... And it's in existence. I have control over its meaning. Yeah. yeah. That's part of life. I mean, again, mm-hmm. yin-yang, if you didn't have one, you wouldn't have or appreciate the other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Duality. Which is, which is one of the ways that that advice applies a lot in, like, everyday situations. Like, you don't often think, like, I'm going to philosophize while going to the grocery store. Right. But if you're going to the grocery store and you're just like, I need to pick up all the stuff on this list. And this lady's in my way. And this kid's yelling. You're not going to get any enjoyment from it. And then mm-hmm. what happens when you go home? Right? You go home and then you're cooking the food and you go, oh, my God, I burnt this chicken. And I'm never going to need to cook. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it just builds and builds on itself because you're you're so busy filtering things through your innate first gut reaction to things mm-hmm. that you aren't taking the, tec- the second to go, wait a minute, that filter exists and yeah. I can change mm-hmm. that filter out. The moment yes. we acknowledge that the people around us experience life in just as complex a way as we do, then we start to see the lady in front of us in line with a crying baby as a mom who's probably struggling with having a crying baby exactly. in the grocery store and somebody's get groceries. The old man behind us is probably lonely and we start to realize those things and we become kinder, become more empathetic. And I think it would build, the other reason I think this advice is really important is I think it builds a better world mm-hmm. um, yes. because it helps people to take things out of the context that we're encouraged to take them in. I think another great grocery store example is the clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You have a counter, you don't go, oh my God, why isn't she faster? You yeah. go, she's been forced to smile at people all day that she doesn't she's know. Probably she, oh, yeah. She's probably 17 and just did a full day of school. So angry. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> these people these people are also people in the same world we're in and everything has I think that same advice that I heard in economics in junior year of everything has an opportunity cost can be twisted in the exact opposite way to say someone is working hard to give you something easy. If you're experiencing something easy, somewhere along the line, someone is working hard. And if you find that person you will take less things for granted, which is the other piece of this is water. You can't take the things that, the things that are hard, you can't assume are against you. And the things that are easy, you can't take for granted. Exactly, right? exactly. That approaching everything with, with gratefulness is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, thank you so much for yeah, coming on the show. We love it. Yeah. First guess. Yeah, first guess. I, I said that was a successful conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank pleasure. you guys so much for coming to the coffee yeah. shop and we'll see you again next Monday. See you next Monday. Peace. Bring you coffee.